Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Jim Pinto for another episode of Metal Workshop. And today we're going to be talking about the top eight glam metal, hair metal songs that don't suck slash our guilty pleasures, right? That was sort of the the, the range of topic that we were going to be covering today. Um, yeah. And it was it was Jim's idea, so why don't you roll in with why you know what you were thinking with this one? Well, I... I think we universally hate glam metal, right? Because yeah. it really even shouldn't be called metal. I think it just follows 4-4 time and it has guitars, and that was yeah. enough for them to say metal. But, um, yeah, I, I it occurred to me that there's a couple of songs, uh, and I, I don't even know if they made my list, but Great White Rock Me has a really good guitar solo in it. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, could we talk about this on the show in some capacity? I don't know. And then I realized, oh, let's just do a top 10. And then we realized we couldn't come up with 10 songs with glam metal <laughs> yeah. that we liked. So we made the top eight. I don't even think I know 10 glam metal songs. Do you know what I mean? Like that's because, yeah. well, here's the thing that people need to understand about glam. And well, glam metal and hair metal are kind of two different things. And I think we're really talking about yeah. hair metal here. Um, we're kind of, we're just using the word glam because it's more fun. Because if you say glam, you, you kind of actually get back into the seventies and start talking about like David Bowie sure. and bands like that. Sure. But, but we're talking like hair bands, really. Yeah. Um, these are all hair bands. Yeah. And, and ha- one of these isn't a hair band. But they did do a hair song. Well, which so is I think that's, that's fair game. That's fair game. If you do a hair song, you can end up on this list, I think. Um, but they were really for women. Like guys didn't listen to hair bands unless no, they were yeah. with women. Do you know what I mean like back in the eighties? That's how I remember it being. Like you know, like a band like Poison, they weren't. I, I knew guys that listened to them, but like I knew way more women that listened to Poison. And right. same thing. Um, yeah. So so yeah so. Uh, but that said, I think that we, you know, you had mentioned that we kind of agree that we don't like hair bands. I think that's true. At the same time, I think we make exceptions for bands that we like and we shift them outside that category, even if they maybe belong there, right? Like, there right. are definitely bands that you could say are guilty of being hair bands that we we don't and I, group there. I think the majority of the songs you picked are all MTV appropriate songs. Yes, yes. And I think mine are more esoteric from the era. Yeah, and I think that's good because what I wanted to get on my list was I wanted to get the guilty pleasure side because I think yeah. that's a little more funny and it's it's also it's also kind of cathartic to say hey I like this song even though I know it's not yeah. going to be well received. Um, uh, but this I also is our last episode I think I think people are going to just <laughs> unplug. I, if they didn't, if list. they didn't quit when I was going on about Destiny's Child, I don't see why they should quit now. <laughs> you know, so you know, we'll we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll do. I'm going to do a whole episode on Sia. We'll do a whole episode on Sia and you know some other thing to to really drive people away. But uh, I don't even know what that is. The um, she's a singer songwriter. Oh, Sia. Yeah, Sia. Champagne. Yeah. The yeah. chandelier. Chandelier. There you go. Chandelier. Yeah. Yep. The one so, that won't show her we'll, face. We'll, we'll, just, we'll, just, we'll just rock out to Chandelier for an hour and see how that goes oh. down. Um, but, but yeah, no, so, uh, you know, I just wanted to do more of a guilty pleasure approach. Yeah, and, no, and, and I so, respect that. And also because of, you know, uh, you know, like my, my wife and the music she listens to, she's into this style of music. And so I often hear it on the way home. And some of these songs I've grown to like, even if I was way more resistant to liking them in the past, just by listening to them over and over again um but yeah so so why don't we get into it i'll let you go first since this is your this episode is your concept 
So unless you have, I don't know, we have any opening debates or discussion about glam in general that we want to get out of the I, way? or I think in general you know it when you hear it. Okay. I think that that, that really is the criterion. And so uh, when I get to my number three, you may argue with me that that's glam, or whether or not that's hair, and that's fine. And I have a backup in case you don't like number three. Um, but I generally think that what I've picked is hair metal. Okay. And are we going one through eight, or are we going eight through one, or does it eight even Eight through mean? one, of course. We, okay. We always end on a high note for because people should anticipate okay. what the best thing's going to be. I didn't really put mine in any particular order. I just, I kind of, I kind of equally, they have all equal value to me, I would say. So I didn't really think it was worth even quibbling over. <laughs> I, I will say this: that I hate every song on your list. I, I anticipated that, that would be the case. I was like, Jim, <laughs> the only one I thought you. Let me see. Was there any that I thought you might like? I don't know. I for some reason, I thought my number one might be one that you'd be okay with. But other than that, I I was pretty certain you'd hate all of them. Um, so all right, let's let's go with your number eight then. So I wrote down Steel Panther, and I wrote any song by Steel Panther because they're all pretty much the same fun antics, okay, nonsense. If you have to pick something, Glory Hole, obviously, because the video is ridiculous and it's over the top, and it's just. Uh, what's the word I'm looking at hedonism to the extreme right but yeah. I've seen them in concert twice because they opened for bands that I was there for and they are so much fun they're stupid I hate all their music but you can't be in a bad mood listening to Steel Panther you just can't you you introduced me to them and nah. I just discovered them like two days ago as a result and yeah. I would have put them on my list but I'm like I'm too much of a newbie with this band to even <laughs> you know it's, it's I just right. found out about them but but yeah I I I think that's a, a you know that that obviously number one even if you don't like this kind of music the f- they're poking fun at it anyways in a way so you know it, it it's at a whole other level of and they, and also the are. humor. The humor. And they've got their own. There's there's so many layers of jokes. Just the band themselves, right? They've got the lead singer who looks like David Lee Roth. They got the guitar player who's actually super talented, right? Yeah. But he's playing in a, a goofy band. They have the bass player that looks like a woman. He looks he like the guy. From, to... He looks like the bass player from Poison is who I think he's supposed to. Yeah, be. yeah. Yep. And and it's clearly a, a a goof, right? They're having fun yeah. with it. And the drummer's this old fat guy. <laughs> And it is just such a funny series of images. It just works so well. Yeah, um, the, yeah. The yeah. Si- the singer does. He just exudes that sort of. I'm a little bit hedonistic and disgusting vibe. Like he's got, <laughs> yeah. you know. I I think what really cements it is the tan. He's got like the he's 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 like overly tanned, and that really sells it to me. And he's um, always in character. He is. I mean, if he, a microphone is in his hand or a camera is rolling, he is in character, and it's just he's like dice. It, he's like dice. He's become yes. the character. Yeah, yeah, that he, yeah. Um. All right. So, so that was your number eight. That was my number eight. All right. So mine is "Love Bites" by Def Leppard. Um. <laughs> so, so why don't you tell us what's so bad about it before I? T- okay. What? Tell us what's so bad about this song before I give my explanation. Um. This came off of uh, hy- hysteria, right? I don't even know. I have no idea. I, I, their, their music after like what was it like um, pyromania or whatever is just I, I can't. I, I don't even really listen to. So, um, but this one was on the radio all the time. So go ahead. 
No, it's just bad. It's part of that whole, oh, look, we're going to cash in on this movement. They used to be yeah. rock. Then they did pyromania. They were new wave. Weren't they, they like new wave metal, really, right? Like they came out of that whole thing that I, Maiden came out of and, and and all that, I thought. Sort of. I don't think the early stuff is metal. I think it's rock. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I think once once the drummer gets injured and loses his arm, I think they just that happens and they keep him on, which I think it's great. But they turn into a glam band. Pour some sugar on me. I mean, that was on the radio the other day, that, and I was thinking about this. Listen, I'm like, I cannot put that on the list, no matter what. Um, and so, Love Bites is just more of that. It's not as bad as Pour Sugar, but. Yeah. So, so here's what I was trying to do with this list. I was trying to be true to the aesthetic of yeah, glam I get metal. it. I get so, it. I feel like this is definitely a glam metal song, um, but it's a good glam metal song. If you, if you, if you, if if you know you're not, you're like open to liking a glam metal song. Do you know what I mean? Like that's how I was approaching it. And so, you know, this is a song when it comes on the radio, I like. You know, I wouldn't generally put it on myself you know what i'm saying but if it comes on i can listen to it and i can enjoy it um i don't really have much more to say about it beyond that it's not it's it's again this is a style of music that i've kind of hated my whole life so yeah um but i have well, to admit that, and that was supposed to be the fun part of yeah. this right is exploring okay this is stuff we really wouldn't but, normally listen to but it's melodic it you know they're a talented band they know how to write a song they were probably the most successful out of those British bands. Do you know what I mean? They, they, uh, you know, I have to hand it to them that they succeeded at reaching a wide audience. Um, so, you know, I, I think when I, like, if I'm measuring these groups, right. And I take a band like poison, which is technically not skilled at all. And I compare them to Def Leppard. Def Leppard is technically skilled. They have all the chops that a band like Maiden or something has. Um, but you know, maybe not, I don't know. I might not compare them to Maiden, but you know what I'm saying. They, they have technical prowess as a band, and so they kind of stand above some of the other, some of those bands that were just, you know, guys who couldn't play that were put in makeup and uh, yeah. aided with the help of a producer from that era, right. which there were a lot of. So, I I want to point out that I really love the making of video uh, documentary they did for Pyromania. I thought when you find out that, how that, actually. oh, I've, it's I've fantastic! It's behind the music or whatever it's called. Okay, it 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 it's just amazing what it took to make that album. The story they got rid of the guitarist. The the producer broke him essentially. Oh, so really? You watch, yeah, you got to watch. It okay, I'll that. check it out. I'll check it out. They're actually good in interviews and stuff too, though. I'm not like a fan of their music, but like I when I see them in like metal documentaries, they're usually pretty interesting to hear. So, right. so I'll 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 be open to that. Now. What we is... should also mention that Def Leppard has over a hundred million album sales. Yeah, they're huge. In their career. They're in huge. Their career. They're they're really I mean, they're a big band, especially when you consider like where they started and then what they ended up as. Um But there were a lot I mean, there were a lot of people selling out in that that those last few years of the eighties, there were a yeah. lot of bands selling out. Oh yeah. Um, so you know, like like and, and a lot of bands used the same producer to write their music, like um What's that Alice Cooper song, Poison? Who's the guy that wrote that? There's a producer who's responsible for that. He's also responsible for a lot of Aerosmith songs and a bunch of other bands. Do you know what I mean? Like, like he's one of these guys, if you like, if you, chances are if you like 
a song like Poison, there's like 18 other songs that he wrote that you like. Um, and, and so I just feel like there's a lot of that song doctoring going on with producers and stuff. And, you know, so, yeah. Uh, it was written by Desmond Child and John McCurry. Desmond Child is the guy. Yeah. That's the producer. Yeah, that's that's the guy. Um, so, so what's your number seven? Uh, Twisted Sister, The Price. I actually, it's the only song I like off of Stay Hungry. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that D. Snyder's one of those guys that doesn't use words correctly. And there's <laughs> a lot of th- That's interesting, though, if it's done in the right way. What, now, what do you mean by that? Do you have an example just so I can sort of... Uh, if you don't, it's no big deal. I'm just curious. Off the top of my head, I don't. I know there's a song on the album where he's using a word wrong. I mean, people do it all the time in music. I hear it often. Yeah. Um, I don't mind if I know what they mean, and I feel like that's probably how that guy uses that word when he's talking regularly. Then it doesn't bother me. If I feel like they're doing it just to get away with getting that word in there, do you know what I mean? And even though they know it's not right, then it bugs me more. Um, but go on. I'm sorry. There's the price. Yeah. And so I really thought it was the only song on the album, even at a young age, that was saying something meaningful. Okay. I, I liked Street Justice and I liked Captain Howdy and I liked that those songs were telling a story about a horrible guy, but they they don't resonate the way the price does. And I realize the price is the slowest song on the album, but it was the one that stood out with me from Twisted Sister that if I went back now and listened to any of it, I would want to listen to that song. And that, certainly not the one you picked. No, and I, I want to tell you something that that's a really good song. I would say that's a better song than the song I picked. Um, when I saw that on your list, I said, I'm definitely not going to pick that one. Number one, but number two, that's, that's what, that's what convinced me to fully commit to the guilty pleasure (laughs) angle. And that's why I chose the song I did. Um, so, so you're definitely not going to like my number seven. My number seven is going to drive you up the wall. Uh, I should see it on my screen. Yeah. Yeah, It's a, it's a runaway by Bon Jovi. And, uh, I mean, this is, this is not a song I can hold my head up high and say I like. Do you know what I mean? But I got to admit that I enjoy it when I'm listening to it. Um, I, you know, it, it's one of these songs. This is one of the songs where I, I started to like it because it was getting played in the car a lot, and that's how I sort of, you know, developed a, a willingness to listen to it and like it. And I think what I like about the song is one of the characteristics of '80s rock and metal and pop is it's got this staccato, almost Baroque sound to it and kind of has a tendency to keep rising up. Do you know what I mean? And playing fairly simple, uh, you know, quarter note, uh, you know, sort of chords, uh, just, you know, and, and, and I feel like this song really is the epitome of that. So, so it's, it kind of goes on the list number one, cause I, I, I like listening to it, but number two, I think it, it reflects the style of musical writing that was very prevalent at the time, especially in the glam metal sphere. But but definitely give your opinion on the songs. I know it's going to be very negative. My first year in college, my <laughs> I lived in the dorms. My girlfriend's roommate listened to pirate radio. There was this radio station down in L.A. back in the 80s and 90s, KQLZ. I think I remember pirate that, radio. actually. I think I remember yeah. that. They would play Bon Jovi twice an hour, maybe, mm-hmm. Living on a Prayer. And she was obsessed with Bon Jovi and that song. And I I just, I one, I hated it the first time I heard it. 
and I was forced to hear it. If I wanted to spend time with her in her dorm room, I had to hear that song on the radio over and over and over again. And so anything by Bon Jovi. I can appreciate gonna, that. It's going to make me want to smash a beer bottle on a bar and just start stabbing people. That's um, just how bad it is. I can appreciate that. Um, I think this one's interesting, though, if you're just talking about Bon Jovi songs, because isn't this like – this is before proper Bon Jovi was formed, right? Like this was him with, I think, like a studio band they had put together, and I think this was the song that really catapulted him. Sure. So – Gun to my head, if you force me to pick a Bon Jovi song – this might make my top five if I had to make a see, list. See, it's right. You know, yeah, but because uh, I kind of get how it's different than the rest of the garbage. But it, you're still asking me to pick between typhus and cholera. I mean, that's <laughs> that's how I feel about Bon Jovi songs. I I can't argue with your dislike of Bon Jovi. Um, I can just admit to you that I like this song. Um, right. So, what's uh, did you do your number seven or no? I did. That was Twisted Sister of the Price. Okay. All right. Why don't you do uh, uh, your number six? Because I'm looking at it right now. Okay. This might be a little controversial because a lot of people might object to him being on the list. I'm sure you won't, but I, I sure, I'm sure some listeners will. Uh, this is Shot in the Dark by Ozzy from the Ultimate Sin album. And number one, let's just get this out of the way. Do you think this qualifies as a, as a hair metal, glam metal I entry? do. I do. Yeah. I think that, yeah. And I think that it's probably the best one you've picked on your list. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would 100% agree with that. Uh, and yeah, I think because it's his glam era album. Like, this album is just glammy. There's no getting around it. It's also an album I have a real soft spot for because it was it was just... I had a very memorable experience buying this album and as, as, a, as a kid. And I think that uh, this song is... I think it was like their big hit from that album. I'm not sure, but it's the one that they still play on the radio. They 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 sometimes play one or two of the other songs, but this is the one that you always hear. And I, I don't know. I think this is a it's a well written pop song sung by Ozzy Osbourne. And you know that's it's a, I like the song. Right. Uh, I don't. This isn't one I feel so guilty about because it's an Ozzy song. But if I would feel guilty telling you that it's one of my favorite Ozzy songs, which it is, but. You know, like I'd much rather that Mr. Crowley or something be above it or something. But sure, you know, but but yeah, I think it's I think it's a decent song. I think it I think it kind of shows how the glam aesthetic could be used well in the right hands. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this one? So I I think it's fine. Like I said, I think it's the best one that you've put on your list. I it's the only one I wouldn't shut off if it came on the radio. Um but I, I, you know my feelings on Ozzy. I wish his voice were more clear. There's a no. There, there's, there's definitely. I struggle with there's that. definitely. There, some people have issues with his voice. Um, that's a whole episode, really. I don't want to. I yeah. don't want to dwell on it. I obviously don't have the issues with his voice, but I, I appreciate that some people find him grating. And I think his solo material even more so than his Black Sabbath stuff because of the way that they mixed him down and stuff. But um, but yeah. So what's your number six? I want to say real quick, I don't know if you've heard the song yet. It's by Post Malone and Ozzy. Oh, yeah. It's called I've heard uh, this Take one. What You Want. I sent you I, a message, I think, when we first yeah. – didn't we first oh, hear that? Didn't yeah, we haven't talked about it on the show, so I couldn't remember if we talked about it. Um, I I find myself – I've only listened to it maybe five times, and I won't, don't want to listen to it anymore. But I find myself enjoying Ozzy's voice on that song. 
I, which I, is strange. I think here was my comment that I remember sending you. I don't know if this is making Post Malone better or Ozzy Osbourne worse. It's and, certainly making yeah. Ozzy worse. Yeah. <laughs> but but is it also making Post Malone a little more tolerable, don't you think? Uh, um, yeah, maybe. I mean, you, I, mean you, I don't really know his stuff. He's, but from he's got a couple that of I've, songs that, I'm, that I've heard on the radio. Um, from everything that I've heard, this is the only song that uh, reviewers liked on this album. Okay, okay, so. but, uh, but yeah, no, it's. I mean, but Ozzy's been doing stuff like that for a while, where he shows yeah. up on, you know, he he just and he does should that. be allowed to experiment, right? Everybody should be allowed to, in their old age, just go and. Rob Halford just made a Christmas album. Did it's he? Awful. Yeah, it's awful. Is but it... he just did one. It's. It's it's still kind of nice that he did one. Because I mean, <laughs> oh, let me ask you this though: is it is it awful? Because it's Rob Halford and you don't associate him with Christmas. No, but, no. It, it really never – none of the songs ever really find their hook. Christmas carols have a certain sound to them. Yeah. And by trying to turn that sound into metal – and they, they translate into punk really well. Yeah. Bad Religion has a bunch of Christmas carols that I like. Oh, he did them but, as metal songs. Yeah, and so Rob tries to do them as these deep – metal songs with some of the sleigh bell stuff in the background and it's just one they're all british christmas carols which i don't even know but there's no melody that ever grabs me and i say oh that's what that's supposed to sound like it's it's always all over the place so so, number one there's only one good metal christmas and that's king diamonds um (laughs) but uh but number two, and I and I know you don't like him, but I, I guarantee you, like ninety percent of metal audience would not disagree with that at all. Um, but number 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 two, I would be much more interested in him doing traditional Christmas music without any metal. Do you know what I mean? Right. Just just I just want to hear him sing Chris. Like I want the option of pulling out a uh, a Rob Halford Christmas album for Christmas instead of whatever other people are playing on the radio. You sure. know. Sure. Um, but I'm sorry. Go on. I think I interrupted you. No, that's okay. I, and so I was. Uh, I don't even know how we got there. I think when you get old as a singer, you're you're allowed to experiment, right? You're allowed to experiment whenever you want to, uh, personally. But I I don't think we can judge Ozzy or Rob for anything they're doing at this age, right? Yeah. They've paid their dues. They've given us so much freaking music that if they decided to sing with something with Linda Ronstadt, I would not be upset. No, and she's got actually she's got a decent voice for metal, Linda Ronstadt. She does. Yeah, she does. I wouldn't I, object to that. I kind of like some of her music. So, but I she is known for being adult contemporary, right? Yeah, no, she's not yeah. like. Um, I mean, she would be a guilty pleasure. Do you know? What I mean? You know, not as guilty as some of the things on this list, but a guilty pleasure. Um, Speaking of guilty pleasures, we've got to do a Pat Benatar episode. I'm just throwing it out there. No, I I am fully on board with that. I like Pat Benatar, so I don't have. Any I love issue. her. I absolutely um, love her. We can throw a Roy Orbison episode in while we're at it if you want to. Um, I do not. <laughs> I do not want to. <laughs> so, so did you do your number six yet or no? No, my number six is Extreme Play with Me. Okay. I think I think Betancourt is one of the most underrated guitar players in the history of music, and this song uh, it just resonates with me. I really actually like it outside of it being a glam song. I would have put it on a top one hundred list at some point somewhere. I mean, I I don't really have that much familiarity with that song, but I know that Extreme tends to do well internationally, and that's usually yeah. a good sign to me in terms of is this a good song or not? Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, 
like more than words, people know that all over the world. Do you know what I'm saying? And yeah. so I was never that into that song, but I gained respect for it when I would hear people from like France singing it or people from Japan or Thailand singing it. So do you want to play a piece of extreme play with me while we're on the air? If, yeah. If you can find it and play it. Uh, well, I, if I play it, it won't, you won't hear it over the Oh, thing. all right. All right. So, Oh, you don't have your mic out. You have your headset. Oh, on. we so can't we do it. We it. can't do it. All right. Never mind. It'll just be empty noise to people. It's um, the one from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It's the one in the mall. Everybody knows the song. Okay. Okay. I, I can – but the thing is I, I, I remember that song being there, but I don't remember it well enough to really comment. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? I remember the mall scene for sure. That scene is memorable. But Yeah. Uh, but I was, too, I was too busy staring at Joan of Arc during that scene. Oh, so. man. I had it. Well, always got to make it creepy. I'm not trying to make it creepy. I'm just. <laughs> I was a little boy. I wasn't like a creepy old man at that time. Um, when did that come out? Oh yeah, I didn't even think about the fact that it came out when you were. I was what, twelve. 11? I was twelve when that came yeah. out. Twelve or eleven. Um. All right. So that's your number six. Um. Mm-hmm. So my number five is. <laughs> I feel really bad about this one. Like I. I feel. I feel gross that I'm even <laughs> mentioning this song. Maybe um, we should just skip this. No, 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 no. We got, we got. To, I think we have to continue on the path that we've decided to to move in here. Um, I mean, I can see the stink lines yeah. on my screen. <laughs> so, I I have nobody's fool by Cinderella, and I want to emphasize that this is guilty pleasures that that I'm that that I'm coughing to. But I I think that the chorus to that is a pretty strong chorus, and. I can't stand Cinderella, but I don't mind when that song comes on. Do you know what I mean? That song, I will listen to. I think that's a pull your lighter out kind of song, right? Maybe. I don't know, because it's kind of got a little bit of a heaviness to it, I think, for a glam yeah. song. But yeah, I think it. it's kind of got that chorus where you can imagine people swaying a lighter for sure. So I have the most embarrassing story about Cinderella. I bought tickets for Scorpions for a friend for his birthday. I didn't tell him that I bought tickets for myself, too, that I would meet him there. So he brought his wife, I brought my wife, and we, I, I show up halfway through Cinderella playing, and I had no idea that they were a southern rock band. Because you hear this song, and you think that they're glam metal, they're a hair metal band, but they're a southern rock band. And it was worse than I could have possibly imagined. Because it wasn't good Southern rock. Wait, it was, I, I didn't know that they were Southern rock. I, yeah, I always, I if you listen to the rest of their music, it's all bluesy Southern rock. Like Leonard Skinner style? Southern no, rock? a combination of Bon Jovi and Leonard Skinner. It's, okay. it's bad. Yeah, that does sound and bad. So, and I, I, I knew they were going to open for them, which is why I showed up late. But I didn't know it was going to be that bad. And I'm just standing there with my head in my hands the entire time pushing through 30 minutes of some of the worst music i've ever heard no <laughs> yeah I, yeah that that sheds a new light on them for me but yeah yeah I'm, I'm, I, I had no idea i actually had no idea that that's what kind of music they were i mean i can the, my only defense of this song is i think the chorus is good do you know what i mean like that's yeah you know and, and uh, i can hear that right i can actually understand yeah okay it's catchy and you know they're do, trying to do a lot with that chorus i get it it's it actually the song actually crescendos yeah, yeah, and it's it's like a pop song. It's a good pop song. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so what's your number five? My number five is White Snake Crying in the Rain. Okay, and that's a good song. That's a I, good song. Yeah, I picked it because, I mean, and there's some good songs off of that album 
um, mostly because David Coverdale didn't write any of them. Um, they were all written. Not by... not a David Coverdale fan, I take it. I he's just. But what yeah, about I, what about Soldier of Fortune? I mean, Soldier of Fortune's like a a classic, right? Yeah, I he just wouldn't be my first choice if I had to pick. And he was a dick to everybody that worked on that album for him. It, it catapulted his career. Um, and all the guys that wrote all the music on that album, they never even got to tour with him. We, they got kicked off the project. We need to do a, uh, an episode on like metal and songwriting. Like, I don't know how to approach it, but like just the idea that like sometimes like there's the whole thing with Ozzy and how much of his music he's actually written versus how much like his guitarists or whatever have written things like that. Whether it's you know fully acknowledged and credited or just whispered about, I think would make an interesting topic. But but yeah, that that's I mean that is a good song. That uh, yeah. I, I I couldn't you know I was when I saw when I when I saw your list, I was I was a little bit jealous at a couple of your picks, and that was one of them. Um, I so. now I would have wanted to put "Still the Night" here, but that's actually a metal song. That's not hair metal. Yeah, that, that song kicks ass, and this one, I picked it because this one's got a lot of that hair metal quality to it. It's kind of corny in places but it is a driving thrumping kind of song and i really like that i mean i wanted to put uh, a couple of later motley Crue songs on here but i felt that they they were even though they're a glam band something about the they, they were too good to be put on this list somehow so i didn't i didn't do that so there were there were songs like that where i just i sort of stayed my hand and put the song on but but that one I think I agree with you. That's not a that's not a that's not a hair hair metal song. So, uh, but this one is, and and also White Snake made my list too up higher on the list. So yeah, um, and I gave my number five. So are we on number four now? Is that yeah? The, all right. So, um, all right. So this one I will defend this one with an iron fist. I I am not apologetic for this entry at all. This is uh final countdown by Europe, which I I can hear the giggles in the, uh, in the audience, but I think this is a good song. Like it's the most ridiculous lyrically. It's ridiculous. It doesn't in the hands of iron maiden, it would have worked. Do you know what I mean? Like Steve, like Steve Harris could have sculpted the lyrics into something that worked, but because I think these guys are writing in a language that isn't their first language, number one, and number two, because of the topic they chose, the lyrics just don't don't work at all. But the music, I think, is really thrilling and energetic and kind of like a classic anthem style rock song. So and I've and ever since I was a kid, when I first heard it, I liked it. So, you know, it's it's, you know, obviously I pretended I didn't in high school. But beyond that, I, I'm, you know, I have no embarrassment over this song. But but, I, but but definitely weigh in. I, I don't know what the final nail in the coffin was for metal, but if I had to pick it, it would be this song. <laughs> if you asked me to define it, I would say oh, final, final countdown. countdown Europe. Okay, fair enough. It was, I, it, I, don't, was it, I don't have the timeline in front of me, but I think that's it. Okay, see, I never thought of this song, song as being responsible for anything, you know, significant. <laughs> well, because so many people liked it, right? But if you're coming from the other end of metal and you're watching your heroes fade and some of their – I mean, even Judas Priest did a hair metal album, yeah, right? Yeah. Which just is so embarrassing. 
But, do you, do, but does Europe along. take responsibility for that, do you think? Or? I don't know if they take responsibility. This is certainly the crystallizing moment of, okay. oh, man, have we lost it? Have okay. we lost the way? Can you imagine them sharing the stage with Slayer? No, no, absolutely not. No, the, I, mean, I mean, how funny would that be? There's right? so much that's ridiculous about this band. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And and this song, but but there's another angle to take, which is when this came out. What year did it come out? Eighty four or eighty five? Oh, I think it was eighty six, eighty seven. Actually, okay. Let's, yeah. uh, let's look. I want to get this this date right. So, final countdown, Europe. Let's see when this thing came out. It was eighty six. All right. So in eighty six, I was ten. Um, I was not a metalhead when I was 10. This was yeah. one of my first real tastes of anything vaguely metal, probably. Right. So on the other end of it, this is the thing that... It's not the thing, because I mean, I remember liking the song, but I don't think I went beyond the song. I didn't you know, go and pick up the album or find other similar acts that I was interested in. But it probably planted a seed in me that eventually became an interest in metal. Do you know what I mean? Like, because... I came of age when glam metal was a thing. You couldn't help but start out on a lot lighter stuff. Do you know what I mean? Before you sure. got to Iron Maiden or you know Slayer or some of the real serious stuff. Uh, so I think even though maybe what you're saying is true, I think there's another end to it, which is this probably turned people that might not have otherwise been exposed to things like metal in the direction of finding metal eventually. I think hearing it at 10 is it's definitely excusable, right? When I was 10, I was listening to Air Supply and Sticks. Okay, okay. That, that was my taste in, okay. in music at the time because and and Pat Benatar, of course. But you know, once I once once I aged a year, once I was 11 and I found metal, my my taste changed overnight and yeah. I was done with all of that. Oh no, so, that's that's what metal does to you. When you when you yeah. first get into like I remember when um like I had a, I was in a band. I had a, my my singer in the band was really into a lot of things like the Who and stuff like that. But the moment he got into Megadeth, you know, his Who album started collecting dust, and he would, you know, it, it, and same <laughs> yeah. thing with me. I was into um, things like Guns and Roses and the Doors and stuff like that. But the moment I got into Iron Maiden, that stuff I didn't even I almost didn't want to acknowledge. Do you know what I mean? Right. So there is that that shift in taste. But this song, I don't know, I, I remember liking it as a kid, and whenever it comes on, you know, that synth riff at the beginning, I really like it. You know, I'm, we could have a whole episode on whether synth belongs in the genre of metal. It but, does not. But, well, I disagree. That's it. I disagree. Discussion. I, I disagree. Discussion. It does not. I think, I think it's certainly, <laughs> it certainly, it, 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 it has risks associated with it. It can definitely drag down an otherwise good album. But there are th- like there are songs that I think require the synth to actually work, and I also think, and this is a side topic, but I feel like something was lost when the synth the synthesizer replaced those more analog style organs that they used to have in the seventies that had like a really powerful sound that you used to hear in Deep Purple and bands right. like that, and I feel like metal would have benefited if they had kept that heavy, powerful organ sound in them through the 80s. Yeah, but, no doubt. Um, and but, I, I, I'm, I'm halfway joking, right? I don't believe that. The purest metal fan inside of me doesn't believe that they belong in there. But my favorite metal song of all time has a synthesizer. So I can't defend my opinion 100% because there are times it works. Well, synthesizers are an interesting thing because there's um, 
on on the old Queen albums, they used to boast that they didn't use any synthesizers, and then they started using synthesizers eventually. And the same thing with Iron Maiden. Like on, I think on Peace of Mind, didn't they have like a statement and they're like, "This is all just on guitar. There's no synth or anything like that." But then what? Like somewhere Seven in time, fun. yeah, well, yeah, and and somewhere in time had it too, right? Or did yeah. they? Yeah. So like, uh, I you know what? I think they had a synth guitar in somewhere in time, and then. Seventh Son was the first youth of an actual synthesizer, um, but but either way, it's one of these things where I totally get what you're saying. It's it, it, and it is a big topic on its own, but the, there's always sort of exceptions that 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 creep in. Um, so what was your number four? Uh, a band called Legs Diamond, which I'm not sure anybody's ever heard. I of. didn't even know this song at all. I had no idea yeah. about it. So uh, they are. 100% top to bottom, a glam hair band, right? Um, but somebody turned me on to this song a few years ago, and I, I don't know why I like it. I can't explain why I like it. It works. You can tell that he, he's he got a passionate voice, and I think that helps. The music is generally weak in, the, in most of their music, if you listen to their catalog. Um, but this and I am for you, which is another song about him being loving a woman. So I, I think he was going through some really tough relationships, um, when he wrote this, but okay. I, it just works for me. I often I, it wonder not how be on my list, but it is. Go I ahead. often wonder how real that is. Like when, uh, when bands like this are writing about that sort of stuff, if it ever comes from somewhere real or if it's just, Oh, I should be writing about being brokenhearted. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I wanted, I, he was writing about on the album. So Okay, it, it was it was it all felt that stuff. A little genuine. Yeah, that's so, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. It's sort of like, you know, to bring up Roy Orbison again, it comes up enough that it certainly must be a real thing for the guy. If you know, <laughs> right. um, so before we get to number three, I did I did want to say I really wanted to work Striper in here if I could, but I just couldn't find a song. Yeah. That I, I don't know any of their songs. I know well, they exist. But... I I was raised very religious, and so my parents actually made me listen to Striper. When as a kid they bought me the striper albums and wow. striper and petra i had to listen to petra actually has a really good song uh they called don't let your heart be hardened or something i can't remember the name of the song but it was pretty good but yeah i, I just couldn't find the right i wanted to i wanted to get some christian glam metal in here if possible but i just couldn't squeeze it in so um but anyways why don't we switch it around and throw the ball in your court for three to one and okay. you can give us your number three first. Uh, so Great White, ha, um, I had the first album they ever did. I, I absolutely fell in love with it when I was a kid. I, I didn't own a lot of cassettes, so I had this one. And the song is End of the Line. It's the last song in the album, ironically, our Iron Maiden post from earlier. Uh, End of the Line is just such a great driving. It might all, It might not even be hair metal um, if you listen to it and you disagree. I I don't know Great White that well, and so I'm curious. Did they start out glam at the beginning? They did not. When their their first album came out, it was really rough. It was rough sounding. It was still had a, a lot of bluesy undertones, and it wasn't metal. It wasn't hard metal, but this song was the hardest on the album. Okay, um, okay. And yeah. they even had a cover of the Who's Substitute on the album, which was weird. Um, and if this song isn't metal, maybe if this song isn't a hair song, maybe Street Killer on the same album is. Okay. And if that doesn't work, Rock Me by Great White is uber glam hair metal with a great guitar solo. 
you know, Great White, I they kind of got on my radar with what was it, Once Bitten, Twice Shy? Is that one of their songs? Yeah. That that's and that was probably not the right song for them no, to that's be introduced. An awful yeah. Song. yeah, that song yeah. it just rubbed me wrong in all you know, just just every way possible. Um, if you go backwards one album, they were a really interesting club sounding band, right? Yeah. They were just poorly produced album. Um and in but it rough in all the right ways for me as a thirteen year old finding them okay. and playing that cassette over and over and over again. Okay. So no, I mean that's that's fair. You know, like again, a lot of these a lot of these bands, like uh, you know, they 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 did go through an evolution, and so you know, yeah, I, I'm kind of intrigued that they they because I I honestly thought that Once Bitten was like their first, I thought that was their debut, just because yeah, what I know. Um, and did something horrible happen to them in a nightclub fire, if I remember, in the '90s? Yeah, the drummer died. I think it was in New Hampshire or Connecticut. The, there was a fire in the club, and he didn't get out. And I apologize. I had my Facebook up. That's why we heard that ping. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I, I I remember that when that happened, and that was terrible. That was that that yeah. makes me like it's easy to make fun of glam metal and hair metal, but then something like that happens, and you're like, well, I'm not going to make fun of these guys anymore. I think because yeah. you know that, that that's pretty horrific, and that that's sort of like the most metal thing that could happen to anybody too. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of it sort of automatically shifts them into the metal category. Um, but okay, so my number three is White Snake. So you know, it's kind of interesting that we both have, you know, you have a great white, and I have White Snake here, and I have Here I Go Again, and um, that was just played a lot. When did that come out? Eighty seven. Here I Go Again. I think so. Eighty six or eighty seven. Yeah, yeah, that that was played a lot when I was that age, and so, uh, you know, it just it just sort of burned into my brain. And also it had the Tawny Katane thing, which, again, I was like 11. And so that was like, you know, the first time I had seen anything like that. And so that's, that song just had a big impact. I think on pretty much anybody my exact age would have the same memories of that song. And so I thought it belonged on the list. But I don't know. By all means, weigh in. I Well, we've already talked about this album. Um, I don't think that this is a good song. I think it got overplayed. And I think... For all the reasons you like it are the reasons that it probably doesn't it, – it's not a good song. Okay. Um, but it's fine that you put it on here. I think it, it absolutely – it absolutely fits the style it, of – You know what I'm did. talking about when I put this I here, right? Like I absolutely it, yeah. get it. I absolutely get it. But I do I, not want to hear that song ever again. I will say Soldier of Fortune covers the same ground, same singer, like thematically the same ground and is better song. So you know people could listen to that if they don't want to listen to this one. But – yeah, this this totally got overplayed. It actually still gets overplayed. I will yeah. be listening to non rock stations, and this will come up all the time. So, yeah. I can't I can't argue with that. Uh, but it's I do. But movie, it is catchy. Is it? <laughs> but yeah. it is. But it is catchy. It it's a pop song, right? Like it it, it hits all the bells that a pop song is supposed to hit. Um, so, are we on to number two now? I think we are. All right. So, what's your number two? Uh, Queensryche, I don't believe in love, and I'm gonna defend this one on the list. Okay, yeah, because I'm, this, I'm like, I could see Jet City Woman or Silent Lucidity, but go ahead, go ahead. So Empire, the two songs you just listed, mm-hmm. Jet City Woman and Silent Lucidity, um, those are off of Empire, and that's a horrible album. The entire album is just a mess. <laughs> I almost put Jet City Woman on my list too. Uh, but this is off of Operation Mindcrime, and the majority of that album is Prague. But this song is not. 
this it is decidedly not a prog song, and yet I still like it. Do you it. think it's it's hair metal though? This song, I think this song is absolutely one hundred percent hair metal. If All you right. listen to the catchy hooks and the undertones, and there's really no thought process into the lyrics for this one, okay. it was this was written for radio. All right, all right, that's fair. That's fair. I will. I, I will allow it. Um, <laughs> thank you, thank you, Your Honor. Thank you. But yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have much to say. I mean, you sort of introduced me to Queensrÿche beyond Empire because that's all I even knew about, and I was pretty dismissive of them. As, you know, just based on I couldn't stand every time Silent Lucidity came on. They used to play it on MTV all the time. That drove me crazy. I couldn't stand it. It was, um, you know, there were a few songs that used to do that to me, and that was one of them. It was just too mellow for me at that age. And, uh, but it turns out the Queensryche is a really good band. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you um, go back in the first three albums in their catalog, and they, they held up against anybody, really anybody, their first three albums. That, what was their first album again? Cause I remember I, it was I, just an EP. The first one they did was an EP. It had five songs on it. Um, Queen of the Reich, uh, uh, Lady wore black. Those were on there. The next one was called The Warning. That's the and one I'm thinking of. The Warning is the yeah. one that I know. That was uh, a full album, and The Warning is so good. I will listen to the whole thing on repeat for days. I I listened to that after you introduced me to them, and I couldn't stop listening to it. And it was yeah. like, and it, it it has like a Sondheim effect where it's just you can't really track the melodies all that well because they go in such unexpected directions and they're yeah. hard to remember so you want to go back and listen to them again but they're doing something it's so music is usually it usually registers with people because it's familiar do you know what I mean like people they hear something that's a, a variation on something they've heard before and therefore it has emotional resonance with them and when you have a band like Queensryche that doesn't do that that they're trying to go in other directions and it still has emotional resonance that always impresses me um, so, so I, I really enjoyed that album. There's um, an interesting story about the warning. the The band recorded the entire album, and the producer quit. And they had to bring in all these different producers to try to pull it together and finish the album. And the band actually hates the mix. I heard that. Like, I heard that. And I wonder what it was supposed to sound like. I've always wondered what what they wanted that album to sound like because, in my mind, it's perfect. Yeah, so, I. What was what is missing in their mind? I w- I read that when I was listening to that album, and I was very I had the same exact question. And you know who knows? It might have been it might have been like not as good. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe maybe what they wanted wasn't necessarily what the album needed. Do you know what I mean? You know, or maybe it would have been better. Who knows? But I uh, what do you think it is? Do you think that that they were making was the album? Because I imagined that the issue was either it being made heavier or made lighter. Do you know what I mean? It seemed like that would be the two directions that you would go in that would cause conflict over a mixing of an album. I Honestly, I think nobody understood what they were doing because they were inventing prog, essentially, mm-hmm. with that album, right? They, they and Sabotage and Fate's Warning were, at that point in time, inventing prog. And no, you mean there prog were... metal, not prog. Yeah, prog general, metal, yeah, yeah. right? And nobody knew how to mix or produce an album of that type. Nobody knew what to do with it because they okay. wanted – I think they ended up making it sound more like rock and roll and less like metal as a result of the mixing and production. I get you. Um, but that said, they play those songs live the way they sound on the album. 
Yeah, because I heard the live tracks of those songs. Like the like the what's the one about the flame? The take hold, take of, the hold of the flame. They play that yeah. one live a lot, right? And so like I got I saw a lot of clips of that on YouTube, um, and it sounded like the album. But but I don't know. But but they with the stuff they might have been complaining about might have been like we wanted the guitar to be higher or lower here. Sure. Do you know what I mean? So sure. you know you just never know. Um, yeah, and like I said, I I I would be. I would give money to hear what they meant that album to sound like. Yeah, I, I'm very curious about that. In fact, well, well, I'll talk about it after the show because I, I had some thoughts about that. But uh, but my my number two is 18 in Life by Skid Row, um, which you can ridicule if you wish right now before I get into my... I am in my head. Go on. Uh, no, uh, so, no th- so number one, this was... This was just a song I remember when it came out, and I remember liking it when it came out. Even the, and I wasn't really, probably quite a metalhead yet at that point. I was probably just sort of getting a taste of metal around then, and I remember really liking it. And when it comes on, I like it. And so I, you know, I, Skid Row's kind of a band where I think they were a band that I found them on the road to metal. I started listening to them, and then I dropped them once I got into metal. Um, but they're an interesting band because their next album, they actually do get heavier rather than lighter. And so it's interesting that they sort of, they kind of take the reverse trajectory of a lot of these kind of bands. Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of bands will start out heavy and then get light to get more radio friendly. And they start out, you know, light and very radio friendly and then get less radio friendly and heavier. Um, but this song is definitely a glam metal, hair metal type song, I think. Um, you know, the, the frustrating thing for me with this band is that uh, ba- Sebastian Bach has such a fantastic voice. Oh yeah, no, definitely, and, definitely. And he just squandered it in what I think is a band that's no different from Rat. Okay, they're the same. They're the same band. Well, here's what I'll say about that. I think Rat. I only remember one of Rat's songs really well, and it was very vanilla to me, and it didn't really have emotional resonance. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Skid Row. I'm not going to say that they're great, but I feel like their songs have emotional resonance. You know, like there's a like 18 in Life has it. It has that crescendo that you're talking about. It kind of hits a it hits a point where there's an emotion I know I'm supposed to be feeling. And their other song, um, I Remember You, has kind of a similar type thing. Do you right. know what I mean? It's emotional. Whether you know whether you think it's sappy or stupid, it's got that emotional resonance. But Rat, I feel like no, these guys are just here to party. Do you know what I mean? Like these guys do not have an emotional moan in their body. Um, right. So that you know, it's, what I think of Skid Row as is, I think of them as the hair metal version of, um, uh, oh God, the the name of the band is now eluding me, and and they're one of your favorite bands too. So I apologize. Um, oh God, this is embarrassing. Uh, who's the band that Lane Staley was in? Who? Lane St- Lane Staley. I don't know who that is. Maybe I'm getting his name mixed up. Um, oh I'll god, Allison Chains! Allison Chains! Oh, okay. they're the ninety. They're the the hair metal Allison Chains. <laughs> Do, can you see so it? Tur- can you see it? Yeah, I think I can. <laughs> that is so funny. I never would have made that connection. But it's there. It's like something oh, about so the relationship funny. between the guitar and the vocals reminds me of the relationship of guitar and vocals and Allison Chains. Well, if you slow down uh, eight, uh, Skid Row and then add a lot more bass, you get Allison James. <laughs> so, that is interesting. 
But yeah, I, I do a, sort of agree with you about the Sebastian Bach thing. He's got probably the best set of pipes in that genre, I think, or at least one of the best sets. Um, if we're including the guy from Queensryche, I'd probably give it to him. But I think that he's got a he's just got a really solid vocal range and power and everything. And it's it's all relegated to kind of a hair glam style of music. Um, so yeah, what was I, your... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask you what your number two was, so... Oh, we already did my number two. I'm Okay, then, on, then we'll go on to your number one next. Yeah. So what I want to say is I didn't put them on the list because I just now remembered them uh, while we were talking about Sebastian Bach, but uh, Dawkin probably should have been on either of our lists. And I not. could never get into Dawkin. Dawkin was a Yeah, was no, a I couldn't get call. into him either, but they they made this kind of music, and George Lynch was such an amazing guitar player. And the reason I got there was how good – would Skid Row have been or would have Sebastian Bach been if he'd been teamed up with a guitar player like George Lynch or Warren Demartini, right? These guys that were, we talked about in a previous episode, people that were in the wrong bands. Yeah. How much yeah. better do they get? The lead singer for Rough Cut has an amazing, amazing voice. And that band went nowhere because the rest of the band was so mediocre. And yeah. You, I, you just you feel bad for these people that have this talent and they stay loyal to bands that they shouldn't have been in in the first place. Well, and he had all kinds of issues in that band too. I think there were a lot of conflicts in Skid Row, if I remember. But yeah. I, I I mean I can't imagine him in another band though. To be honest, it seems like that's how I always see the guy. Do you know what I mean? Like I just think of those songs when I think of that guy. Sure, um, sure, and it's hard to force you know, once he's gotten there. But and, and I don't if think you're he, a music producer. You can go and see these people playing and say. That guy's in the wrong band. I can build a better band around you. this guy. I, here's That's the other thing, though. I'm pretty sure Sebastian Bach wasn't like the main songwriter in that band. I think he was kind of singing their songs for the most part, wasn't he? So, was he? I could be wrong. I could be wrong. That's always been my impression, and I think when that's the case, singers like that tend not to do so well once they leave the, you know, the protection of the creative people that that they're right. singing for. So, no, I, no, I, absolutely. I, I just think that if you're doing this, if you're a music producer and you're doing it right, right? Kate Bush was discovered when she was 12, but she didn't make an album until she was 16 or 18, mm-hmm. right? Somebody knew when they saw her at age 12, this woman has an amazing voice. Yeah. She's going to go somewhere. And they they tutored her and they built her to the point where she was going to destroy everything around her. And I think if you're if you're going to clubs – and you see Motley Crue, you go, oh, God, these guys are all a mess, but they're a mess together. We yeah. can't split them up. But this guy from Skid Row, he's got to come out of there. I, I know a guitar player that's going to work really you. well with this guy's voice. But I, that's I, but that's how yeah. Skid Row was formed is he was put into that band in that way. Like they they wouldn't have succeeded without him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that that's sort of what the the point of bringing him in was. Well, that, that's interesting then too because then what I, I'm on to something yeah. even though I'm wrong. Yeah, because he was singing uh, beer commercials in Canada when, uh, when he? yeah, yeah, he was a, he, and he apparently he was really happy doing it. Like he, he didn't even really want to join the band I think when they, when they, when, when it first came up. But yeah, he was singing beer commercials which you can probably picture, right? Like you can imagine Sebastian Bach singing like a, a Budweiser style commercial. Um, but, you know, and, they, and that must have been where they heard him. And so, yeah, I think he was basically a session singer. Um, that is funny. So they just he's put him in the, the look. I mean, yeah, no, he's got, he's got, yeah, he's got everything for that. Do you know what I mean? Like, he, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, they, they, I, I think neither he nor Skid Row would have been successful otherwise. So I feel like 
that was sort of just what they were destined to do is you know that that that's the way that those people could become famous um because think about how difficult is it to capture magic in a bottle musically that gets that successful on the radio do you know what i'm saying like that's not that's not easy to do um but yeah, well, and so. there's bands, right? I'll look at a certain band. I'll look at uh, Megadeth, and I'll see Dave Mustaine and uh, Danny Elfman. They've been together for 40 years now, and they're the heart of that band. And they're both exceptional at what they do. How did they find one another? Yeah, what are the exactly. chances of finding somebody? Rush. How do the three best musicians in each of their fields find each other and produce music like that? Um, it, the chances of that are one in so many bajillion that you it's shocking when bands are able to produce something together so well. Yeah, especially when it's people that have been together from a very early period. Do you know what I mean? That's, right. you know, like not put together by producer. Like Dave Mustaine and Elfson, that was like, uh, didn't, didn't Dave Mustaine like, yell at him for playing his bass too yeah. loud or something you know something exactly like, they lived yeah. in the same apartment building yeah and he went down there to yell at him and then he and well, they became i think he, i think i think the next step in that was he asked dave to buy him beer or something because <laughs> yeah i forget it was <laughs> but but it was a, it's an interesting story uh that's funny so uh, so yeah so uh, uh number one do you want to do yours first do you want me why to don't do you mine? do yours because mine's kind of funny okay all right so so mine is we're not going to take it by twisted sister yeah. And and I have a valid reason for including it. Number one, I do like the song. When the song comes on, I will listen to it. It's 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 definitely a cheesy song. It's it's a little bit of a guilty pleasure, but I think that um, Dee Snider was very good at writing anthems. And this isn't this is like a rock anthem type song. I almost even though they're definitely kind of a glam metal band, I feel like they're more glam in the style of the '70s than the hair metal band. So I don't feel quite as I don't know. I don't, I don't. It doesn't feel quite as contaminated by the hair metal scene to me. It feels like the band is in on the joke that they're all dressed up this way. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, and and also, I feel like they're a heavier band than a lot of the bands that are on the list. Um, it's anthemy and it's rocky, but it's still heavier than like you know Bon Jovi or something. Um, so, are you ready for me to ruin this song for you and the band? No, no, because I have to say further things um all right well this, why don't you do that and then i'll write right. it all for you all right so you, you you can go ahead and do that um i had a cousin who was older than me and he was really into twisted sister he had just discovered rock music when this album came out and i was probably still listening to thriller or something i must have been like eight years old and i remember him going around singing this song and and talking about this band and that sort of laid a foundation for me that that eventually led to more appreciation of heavier music. So that's another reason why this one was on the list. But go go on, go on. Ruin it um, for me. <laughs> so first of all, I bought this album when it came out, mm-hmm. right? There wasn't a lot of metal out there. And I bought this, and I, I listened when I was 13, 14 years old. And I listened to it a lot. I loved it back then. I do not like it anymore. Okay, all um, right. And, and we talked about that earlier when I picked my, my song, my uh, uh, Twisted Sister song. One of the things that happened is uh, you really need to watch the the documentary about Twisted Sister, how this album came to be, because it is fascinating. They used to just be a a hard rock band. Are you you talking about the Twisted Fucking Sister documentary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good documentary. Everybody should watch that. That's one of the best. Everybody should watch that. Yeah, that's an amazing documentary. Um, So they used to be just a 
a hard rock band playing Jersey and Long Island bars for years and years and years and years. They didn't develop this sound for the album until the record company came to them and said, we're going to sell a half a million copies of this. You're going to play the way we tell you to play. Yeah, yeah. But And you saw that in the documentary. Yeah, they, they, people that to give people an it. idea, the guy from Anthrax was raving about Twisted Sister. And he's been doing that for years, and people have always kind of scratched their head. And in the documentary, they, he explains, like, their live shows were were kind of an inspiration for the style of thrash that he eventually started playing because right. they were they right. would play really fast and heavy and they were just nothing like what you think of when you think of Twisted Sister and they showed clips and stuff and like they were a totally different band so I know exactly what you're saying right okay well that that's covered and again people need to watch the the other thing about this song in particular mm. is it is come all ye faithful the melody is "Come All Ye Faithful," but there's done. nothing wrong with that. There's, no, there's not. So the funny thing is, D didn't even know he was doing it. So when he was writing that melody, "Come All Ye Faithful" it was in his head, and he didn't know it. And 30 years later, one of his friends told him, "You know, you're doing "Come All Ye Faithful," <laughs> right?" And he said, "Oh my God, no, I didn't know that." But that is so common, like because they're like line cliches, right? And that's kind of sure. a line cliche sure. what he's doing there, and. It, it, come all ye faithful is like in there's probably like 30 songs that come all ye faithful is inspired inadvertently without people realizing it that's why i kind of take issue with the way copyright infringement is handled because i feel like music is just naturally you tend to absorb it subconsciously and then reproduce yeah. a new version Absolutely. of it and Absolutely. but but here's here's why that's interesting because when i was young we had to sing Come All Ye Faithful for one of our school production things and I remember it being this like re like for whatever reason the teacher that was behind this was super into Come All Ye Faithful and decided we all needed to know how to sing it in Latin and all this stuff and we spent a whole year like getting ready to do it for like not a whole year but the whole lead up of like the first part of the year till Christmas or something to, to do it and that had an effect on me and I think that uh, that might be why this melody appeals to me do you know what I mean because you know C Come All Ye Faithful was such a big part of like whatever it was second grade or something for me but uh, but yeah I don't know I mean I, I can appreciate that I think I think it would be interesting to see what Twisted Sister would have become if they hadn't you know made those changes to to the album but at the same time, maybe maybe we wouldn't be talking about them at all. Do you know what I mean? Maybe they wouldn't have really reached any heights. Yeah, I yeah, we cert they probably would not be on anybody's radar, but I, they would have been a better band. Yeah, I, I think there's no question. Though I will say this, D. Snyder, I've always been in, intrigued by him as a person. Like whenever he is on any kind of show talking about music or metal, I I don't know, I find him to be like one of the compelling figures of. Of, of rock music for some reason. I think he just has like a different type of personality than most of the other people you see. So I I don't listen to Twisted Sister. I don't really have any of their albums. But when that documentary came out, I was interested in it and I watched it. And, you know, I, 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 I kind of am... I'm more interested in the story of Twisted Sister than the band itself, if that makes sense. Right, right. But, but yeah, so yeah, I don't... And I love any of that kind of stuff, right? You want to... I, I was just talking about this recently with someone. We don't get enough stories of what it takes to succeed. We only get stories of people once they're successful. 
And it's almost like this secret alchemy of what it takes to succeed in America. Um, there, there's that documentary about uh, Donkey Kong. Did you see it? I don't think so, no. The, the yeah, video game fantastic. Donkey Kong? Yeah, the video game Donkey Kong. There's a documentary. And it's a perfect example of how people get in their own way of success. Even though you would think they're just talking about Donkey Kong and the, the arcade game and who has the high score, there's this sort of subtext going on in the background of the documentary uh, that is just absolutely fa fascinating to me. And when you watch documentaries like this and the building of things and what it took, because we only hear about Twisted Sister after they become big. Yeah. And yep. so to watch the struggles, to, to the, the part of the story where they're in England and nobody's even interested, right? The, the audience is zoning out and he had to make this ballsy Hail Mary throw to get the in audience interested in what they were doing and if he had, doesn't do that the band doesn't succeed and showing I think documentaries that show that to show you how hard it is to become to get on the landscape is are, are just absolutely fascinating well especially with music where it's like a one in a million shot like you you know yeah. and you don't get many of them so yeah no I, I highly recommend that documentary it was called Twisted Fucking Sister right that was the name of it I think so. I think you're right on that. I I know it was on Netflix a few years ago. Hopefully, it's still there and people can check it out. But it, that's it, that's even worth buying that one if you can. Um, provided it's not like thirty dollars or something. But if it's like fifteen dollars or a reasonable price, I would say buy it or maybe rent it to stream if, if you don't have have it available on a platform. Um, what what's your number one? So my number one is sort of tongue in cheek here. Uh, it's a band called Axe that a lot of people haven't heard of. And the song is Rock and Roll Party in the Streets. I should not like it on any level. This is like a song off of your list. <laughs> it, it, it is that kind of catchy, radio-friendly song. And yet, there's just something about his voice. It's the, the, this, the version that I listened to, in fact, is the original singer who actually didn't even sign with the band. So it's a really hard-to-find recording. Okay. Uh, okay. But it is better than the singer they ended up with. And it's just such a fun stupid song and for some reason it get it just grooves with me i can't explain it it there's violates wrong with all that. my rules there's violates nothing, all my rules on music there's nothing wrong with that um yeah so number one i don't think there's anything wrong with a catchy song or a pop song i think i think there there are bad things that go on in pop music that, that could be talked about but i feel like if something is resonating with people emotionally that's fine it's good and there's you know there are simple catchy things that people can do to sort of ensure that that happens um, but I did not know this this is not a I didn't recognize it I had to look it up and listen to it and yeah I, it, it, I was a little surprised to be honest it did, right. did not see, it did not right. seem like a gym pick I will yeah. I will definitely say it, that yeah it well, is he, the it is easily the worst song on my list and yet I like it the most of those songs that I I put on there well I think if I had to say there was a clear divide between us stylistically in terms of how we appreciate metal music uh, it's probably that you have a more intellectual appreciation of things and I have a more emotional appreciation of things not right. that not that like you have no emotion I have no intellect just that that's your priority is more is this complex and interesting and is it yeah. something I haven't heard before and my priority is more how do I feel do you know what I mean and how is this song making me feel and then I might get interested in the other stuff too and so I thought that was for that reason. I thought this was an interesting pick because I was like, this really is a more emotionally resonant type thing than a than like a you know, ooh, there's a new technique in here that 
I've never heard before. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, but hey, you know, that's fine. It's 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 a it's a bit of a guilty pleasure list. So I don't think it's a problem. I, I do the same thing with film, right? I really I get the stupid moments in the Marvel movies pull me out. Okay. And ru- and ruin the film for me. I can't enjoy most of Star Wars because really like have- the, the original Star Wars you can't enjoy. Uh, I only like episodes four and five. I and I barely like four. Okay, um, but there's so many stupid dialogue moments that as soon as they happen, I, I'm now pulled out of the movie and I can't enjoy it anymore. And I realize that that's that not everybody is like that. Yeah. But music does the same thing with me. If I hear a dumb line, or there's a I I was listening to some song, I think we were talking about it, recently. I was listening to some song and I thought. This whole thing is bad. Oh, it's a new band I found uh, out of Greece. I can't remember the name now. I want to say Never or something. I don't remember now. And so much of it is bad. It's just okay. bad from beginning to end. But then there's these tiny little pieces in there where I go, oh, that was an interesting choice. But I get you. I, I can't listen to the entire song just for those tiny little interesting choices. The, the entire thing has to work or it's going to pull me out of the song. I can I can appreciate that I I, I approach music I think a, a little differently and movies too. Uh, I was somebody was there was a director, uh, Ang Lee was talking about Chinese movies compared to American movies and how they're more about mood than story sometimes. Do you know what I mean like like a lot of time and you sort of see that like a lot of these Chinese films will build up to a particular mood and it it's not as important if the if if everything sort of is is built cleanly to that mood it just kind of has to hit that mood somehow do you know I mean it's almost more like a song than and and i think that that's my preference i like to have really powerful emotional moments with movies and powerful emotional moments with music um, right and i want the techniques to be there but i want them to be there in service to the emotion um, sure and so uh so i will overlook Hey, that seems kind of like a, a shoddy bit of logic. If the emotional payoff is worth it to me, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I'm not so worried about the logic. But if a line is just ri- if you're trying to evoke emotion out of me, mm-hmm. you can't do it by quoting "to be or not to be." Right, the most oh. overused line in the history of anything. Okay. Your okay. character needs to say something original. Have you ever seen Garden State? With I haven't. Uh, I know of Garden State, but I've not seen it. It, it got all these accolades, right? Mm-hmm. I'm waiting. I'm watching the movie, and it's quirky and it's weird. It's a romantic. It's not even romantic comedy. It's just a romantic movie. It's not funny. It's quirky, mm-hmm. done in the style of sun, Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Right, that, that I've seen. That I've seen. That I've seen. You're waiting all movie long to find out what he's going to say to his dad, mm-hmm. because he doesn't even go to visit his father. He's in Jersey, but he's not visiting his father. His father's dying or something. I don't even remember now. And then he says the most cliched bullshit in the world that he could say to his father and it ruins the entire movie okay. You're, you've been waiting and it, it may be delivered emotionally right you mm-hmm. may be thinking oh well that resonated oh my god yeah. you know what a sweet guy he is or whatever you're thinking whatever your emotional response is and I'm sitting there going you gotta be kidding me I waited 90 minutes for that see that, that wouldn't is, bother me that would definitely that not bother me absolutely hard I, and I was invested in everything leading up to that point as quirky and stupid as it was um, but as soon as that that dumb line gets delivered, all I can think is <laughs> you just wasted my time. There's nothing new here. That 
reminds me a little bit of did you ever see Amadeus? I'm assuming you did. Yes, of course. And you know when he starts playing it, like he, there's a period in there where he's he's writing for like the lower level musical houses for like the masses. Do you remember that? Right. When he, and the kind of music that he, that they're doing is sort of like it's all sort of like stuff that the people know and like like there's it's it's not as high level, but it's sort of emotionally resonant with the crowd that he's writing for. And I, I'm fine with that. Like, like if, like to be or not to be, to me is a line that is going to register with a lot of people because it's one of the lines that seeped into the popular culture. But if you chose a more obscure line, I feel like it's not going to. It's, it's going. It might register with Jim Pinto because Jim Pinto knows his stuff, but it's not going to register with everybody. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. No, I get um, it. Uh, so it, it probably wouldn't bother me so much. But I, I can definitely see that. Like, I, I got a pretty good handle now I think on okay this is not a song that Jim is going to like because I know it's not like doing these things that you are ex- that you expect from you know uh, you you come more from like like I said like the intellectual side of it so you know it's it's like you want to see something that hasn't been done before and and I can I can respect that I think that's I think that's a fine way to you know to enjoy music. I watched lots of movies, and we did an episode where we talked about the saddest metal songs ever. I think it was yep. saddest. Um, and I, I would love to revisit something like that where we talk about what's the most emotional moment in all of metal kind of thing. I want to feel something when I walk yep. away, right? I I I will watch really awkward, dark. If you look at my top ten movie list, mm-hmm. they're all sad movies. They're all punch you in the face movies. But I want to feel that because somebody's exploring something. I haven't seen before. If you're going to make a movie about a father and a son who don't get along, that movie's been made a thousand times. You better have a new take. Okay. No, that's, uh... I feel the same way about music. If you're going to write a love song, it better not rhyme fire with desire. Because if it does, I'm, I'm punching you into the outer See, space, for me, it depends. Horrible. It depends on what chords are being played on those lines. <laughs> you know? <laughs> If they, if and they, by the way, that is that is one of my things that I can't stand is rhyming fire with desire. I absolutely hate that I, in music. Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not terribly picky with musical lyrics. I I I will roll my eyes if they're particularly, you know, what's the word trite? I think for you know that sort of you just thought of the fastest rhyme that you could come up with to that to, yeah. to that word. That that's definitely not like the higher form of of of, of, of writing lyrics. But I don't. Some bands you don't want to hear that from too. Do you know what I mean? Some bands you you don't you don't want to see them aspiring higher than what they are meant to do. Do you know what I'm saying? And so like if it's like a uh, if it's like a Guns N' Roses song, there's a level of there's a level of intellectual gymnastics I don't want to see Axl Rose performing. Do you know what I'm saying? In his lyric right, writing, right, I, right. I I want to I want to smell the booze in those lyrics, and that might require that he rhyme "fire with desire." If uh, you know, I have no expectations of ACDC, right? Yeah, I yeah. just want them to make another Back in Black album. That's yeah. all I want at ACDC. But I don't go to ACDC for yes. intellectual comfort either. Um, Though I will and, say the the Bon Scott period was surprisingly intellectual at times. He could be very witty as a lyricist. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like high level stuff. He wasn't writing about topics that were, you know, not associated with rock and roll, 
but he could he could be clever in his in his uh i, I his have lyrics. to admit i think the very first time i heard dirty deeds done dirt cheap as a kid i was giggling yeah i mean that's a funny song there's the combinations of things he was saying and i didn't you know there's an I impishness really about yeah there's an impishness to a lot of it to a lot of that you know so um but i think i think by the time you get to to back and uh, to black and black it's uh sorry back in black it's uh you, you start to get more into that fire with desire territory with yeah. the band. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, again, for me, it's it, what chords were they playing with those, with those lines? That's the important thing to me. Um, well, it's the same three, so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> but well, there's that too. There's, there's, you know, there's, we, that, that would be a whole other topic. I think, I, I think we're way off um, the top eight list, which I'm fine with. I just, uh, I actually wanted to talk for just a second about a, a screenplay that I wrote because we're talking about this intellectual okay. divide and whatnot. I actually wrote a, a rom-com because somebody said they were looking for one and I, I, I wrote it. That's like the last genre I'd expect you to write if you were going to write a script. By well, the way. yeah, the only reason I wrote it is because somebody was looking for one and I wanted okay. to sell it, right? But we sat down, my writing partner and I, we, we sat down and we wrote a really smart, quirky film. Mm-hmm. And we spent a lot of time arguing about what should this piece of dialogue actually sound like? Okay. We would, he would write something, I would write something, and we would fight about the word order and everything else. And there's this, the crescendo moment in the screenplay, right, when everything goes wrong. I, I think we must have spent two hours trying to figure out the, the protagonist's dialogue. And I think if you're not doing that, if you're just rhyming fire with desire because it's the easy way to go then you're showing what's important to you about the process and for me the important part of the process is i want to get that wording just right i want that to sound the way it it, the way it affects me right there's a moment in that screenplay that i still get chills from and i'm the motherfucker that wrote it right well a, a couple of things number one i've i've tried my hand at screenwriting and it's really challenging so i know what you're talking about because it's like every page is like a minute on the screen and mm-hmm. you really don't have a lot of room to, you know, you can't you can't really mess around with, uh, you know, you you have to sculpt your dialogue very very well. Yeah. Um, so I, I appreciate what you're saying. Uh, I I guess I guess for me, it, I don't know. It, it just it, it it depends. I I there there are times where I want to listen to Leonard Cohen and I want somebody who knows how to put words together the way that a Leonard Cohen might put them together. Um, but I wouldn't expect it from everybody, you know. Like, like a, I, I don't expect Mick Jagger to, to sound quite like Leonard Cohen. Um, and I, I feel like uh, what to me matters is like the, like again, the emotion. Like you can, you can do fire with desire, and still, if you're, if you're belting it outright, do you know what I mean? You can still kind of get a an emotional resonance there. So that's, that's what matters to me. I mean, lyrics will definitely enhance it if it's, if it's well done and it, it sort of like, it conveys a lot of meaning with very little word usage that, that can be really powerful when it's done well. Um, so I, I definitely think there's, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. It's just not, it's not the only thing that I look for when I'm, when I'm, you know, listening to music, I'll, I'll happily be oblivious to the words if the melody and everything are kind of working for me. Um, but that's, it kind of leads me to a question. Are vocals and lyrics the first thing that you 
pay attention to about a song or is it something else do you think not anymore i think when i was a kid it was i think now the music has got to grab me from the beginning i honestly if if you're not even getting me in the first i listened to that rammstein song last time when we did the loudwire i had that on like repeat for almost two days yeah that that opening two minutes i didn't want any lyrics right he had me they had me just hooked with that opening two minutes and the way it kept building and building and building so a a lot of music now for me today um and especially with i mean some of my favorite bands are writing dumber and dumber lyrics um i think the music's got to grab me from the get-go and if it doesn't um, I, we we haven't talked about this on the show yet, but I I made a new song. I wrote a new song. Um, I commissioned it. It's complete. It's nine minutes long. I don't have a lyricist for it yet. I don't I I don't have a singer for it yet. I wrote the lyrics, but I haven't been able to find a singer because every time I hire somebody, they think the song is too complex and all this stuff. And so I'm sitting at this at this point, thinking, well, maybe this song just doesn't have a singer. Maybe I just live with this instrumental that I built because I can't find anybody that wants to, to do it. If it's, I mean, if it's, if it's this high enough degree of complexity on the instruments then I would imagine you might have trouble with, you know, getting a vocal track over it. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Do do you trust the words of the people that have said this to you? Or do you think that there may be just like, well, people just keep dropping. They just keep dropping out. Right. I'll tell them uh, I had one just drop out because she, didn't know how to communicate her needs. Another one dropped out, and I don't even know why. Okay. One of them said, I c- can't do this. I'm just not good enough. Okay. But I kept looking for female vocals. I even went back to some of the ones that we'd hired before. Okay. And uh, it was just a struggle. Finally, um, Brian Hicks from uh, Imaginos contacted me, and he's going to try to record something. I don't have anything yet. Okay. But I don't know if his voice is going to match what I've already composed and put okay. together. Now, are you doing it? Is this just something for fun, or is this like you? Yeah, it was just something I decided to do for fun. After we did the last project, <laughs> I contacted the guitar player from Belarus, oh. and I said, "What do you think about doing this?" Mm-hmm. And I told him what I wanted, and this is how I wanted to build the song. I want a bass solo here, that kind of thing. Um, and he and his buddy, they they charged me a certain price. I don't want to talk about that on the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the time I said, okay, I want to do this as an experiment because we just spent a hundred bucks when we did ours, right? For nothing. And yeah. we did just to experiment to see where it would go. We didn't really build a real song. I want to see what I can do for X number of dollars for a real song. And so I'm at the process now where it's just, maybe I just give up on this one having lyrics. Well, yeah. I mean, if you, is it good enough on its own without, lyrics? I think it is, but there was one vocalist. She recorded the the crescendo, um, and the way she sang it was so effing good. Well, the, and, but then she backed out of the project. So I okay. have this section that I would really love the whole song to sound like this, to sound this well. But I I can't. I'm I'm spiraling right to find the right thing, and it's been months. Maybe you need a more atmospheric vocalist that just sort of lends, like what's that Enya song? That um, that was in the Sleepwalkers movie, um, and it's just basically her humming. And they used it in the uh, the Fugees used it in their song too. I think um, they like they 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 sampled it. I can't remember the name of the song, but she's basically just humming. She's not saying any words. And I think you could maybe 
do something well, similar. That, that's how I handed off the vocal keys to uh, the singers is I hummed over the music where I thought, here's where I think music could, should go. Here's what I think. That, and I didn't tie them to it, right? I didn't say you have to copy me. I'm, I just can't sing, so here's my ability. Oh, but, so you have a vocal line that can go Like you have vocal melodies. I have a thought process on a vocal line that could go over it. I'm not necessarily sure that it it's the right course. What I'm saying, though, is that these people that I keep hiring, I, they either they fall out either because they can't do it or because be, because I've made a sort of proggy doom metal song, mm-hmm. they want to bring all their pop approaches to it, and it doesn't work. Oh well, that will definitely fail. That that's like not yeah. going to come together. You know, like you got to get a, you know, get the the you, you're contacting actual bands for this, right? I no, I was contacting people through Fiverr. But you uh, said you said you got like a guitarist from 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 Belarus, the country of Belarus. The guy that oh, I thought on... I thought you meant like a band named Belarus. No, no, was... no, no, no. Okay, I was I okay. I'm the guy that worked on our song, the guitar player. Okay. He was from Belarus, and he's actually really talented. So when when I gave him here's what I want for nine minutes, he was able to build that. Okay, okay, I get you now. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I think if you found a way to hum music over it then there should be room to put vocals on there is is my guess but yeah it's hard to say without hearing it though and knowing what the the vocal well, line is. i could send you the link and maybe we could do an episode about it we could talk about it yeah we could do it's that my music so... yeah we could certainly do that yeah even though nobody's gonna like you know come after us so i'm sending my lawyers <laughs> yeah. as soon as the episode so no that could certainly work um yeah that's the i don't know that that's a complicated problem because vocals are very mysterious to me in a lot of ways because I was always more of a guitar person so I I am always amazed how people that sing find a way to do so over music it doesn't really make sense to me and I used to struggle to write lyrics and things like that because it just wasn't in my wheelhouse um, but yeah we can, we can definitely go there um, I just sent you the link to the song it's technically okay. 10 minutes but the opening and closing are almost the same Okay, I'll t- after the show I'll take a listen to it. Um, and I don't. Do we want to say anything to bring it back to the the original topic, just to give this nice, <laughs> nice yeah, closure? We, so, uh, we have essentially two episodes here, so I think it's mostly my fault that we went off the rails. I'm sure I contributed plenty. Um, well, I don't know. I think uh, I think that that this was an interesting exercise for me um, because I. I think it's healthy to kind of go in and 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 sort of explore guilty pleasures, and I thought it was also entertaining to to sort of have a back and forth about them. And I liked that we had two very different lists too. I thought that yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like the styles of lists were cool. I don't think that uh, I don't know. I feel like glam and like hair metals. It's it's sort of an interesting thing because it's in a way it's. It's very anti-metal, but in another way, it's really what happened when heavy metal became so popularized that it was everywhere, right? Like, like hair metal is kind of like a popular form of heavy metal. It's just it's the it's the one that stuck and ended up on the radio everywhere. Like what from eighty six to eighty nine or something? Like what was the what was the peak of of hair metal? Would you say? Uh, as soon well, the peak I like I said I think the nail in the coffin was Europe. Final countdown, but I think it absolutely dies when uh, Nirvana comes. Yeah. Oh, without question, without question, without question. But I mean, but you know what I mean? Like, the, like that was really kind of like they were taking 
they were taking elements of actual metal and watering them down in a way that would make them more palatable for a wider audience, right? right. Like like everything from like twin guitars to the kinds of melodic lines that you had on the guitars to the way that the songs were structured and all that stuff. And it kind of it had the effect of ruining metal in the process. But like, but it is still kind of a, I don't know, it's a, it, it was the, it was still a period where there was a level of respect for metal style. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you would have a much better time putting out a thrash metal band album during the height of the hair metal era than you would have during the 90s. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. Or now. Like, it, it still kind of provided an environment where metal was able to to remain niche, <laughs> but still viable. Because uh, all I remember after Nirvana was metal just died a horrific, horrific weird death and and it was sort of like there was this period of metal trying to rediscover what it was that that gave us a lot of odd bands right. you know well and we can talk about it for a little bit i actually love this topic because uh if it weren't for the purists right the metal dies it never comes back there were people keeping it alive in the 90s even when it was garbage yeah yeah um and I think the sort of the purest dedication to the form and well, what is this metal? Okay, well, this isn't. Let's sift it out of here. I think that really helps it get back into the 2000s. The problem is then new metal is just the new version of glam metal. It's taken yeah. all of those trappings and then said, well, let's make it bubble gum so it's easier for teenagers to appreciate. Uh, yeah. Well, we're, we're at one thirty, so I think we should probably end there. But I want to yeah. say I think we should do an, a new metal episode at some point because I yeah. think there's interesting territory to explore there, um, and I have some thoughts. So we might want to try that. Uh, you know, the like the grunge era and new metal, something to do with those things. But but I, I think we'll we'll end it here just because we've been going on for so long, and I don't want to I don't want to branch off into a new topic. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, but yeah. So so we'll we'll head out. Uh, I think this was a good episode. This was an interesting discussion, and we'll be back with you know further discussion on other things. And until then, we will talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs>